3: All right, everybody. It is Friday, March 24th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space. So you can hear the show at its entirety on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Upon completion, thank you for joining us. I am Mike Hack. Hope everyone's having a fantastic week. We are on the eve of UFC San Antonio, and as we speak right now, The main event already official. Both fighters weighed in. Corey Sandhagen at 135 and a half. Marlon Vera, 136. That fight is already a go. So one less thing to worry about. Two professionals getting on the scale and getting it done. That main event absolutely rules. I am so freaking excited for it. Rest of the card is kind of... I mean, there's some decent things on there, but this is certainly one of those fight night cards that is carried by the main event. Now, luckily, it's in front of a crowd, so they'll be energetic and they'll be fun. But for the most part, all of the major storylines for this card are built upon the main event. So very much looking forward to Cheeto versus Sanhagen going down tomorrow. And we already lost a fight yesterday, so we're down to 12 fights And early start time, 4 p.m. Eastern for the prelims, 7 p.m. Eastern for the main card. Can't complain about that. And then we get a rare week off from the UFC, not from combat sports. And then the UFC is back in Miami the following Saturday for UFC 287. The rematch for the middleweight title between Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya. The big one between Jorge Mazadal and Gilbert Burns. That card is Fantastic. So a lot to look forward to if you are a combat sports fan. So this is this is Friday on Heck of a Morning, which means we can talk about MMA. We can talk about UFC San Antonio. We can still talk about the hangover we're all feeling from UFC 286 and the fallout from that and Colby and Leon, even Hamza Chemaev stuff, getting Yuri Brahashgal fired up. We can talk about all that stuff. We could talk about... Anything else, literally anything else. This is a free-for-all Friday. We open things up uh, to have some fun, and that's what we're going to do here. So Four Corner Sports is going to kick us off today. Hello, Four Corner Sports.
4: Hey, Mike. So I I know you guys were chiming in yesterday about the Covington stuff, um, but do you feel like – and I don't know if you guys spoke about yesterday, but do you feel like him ranting off about John Annick? – I'm pretty sure the company is going to have his back – you think he's gonna potentially lose himself out of a title shot, and um, I wanted to also talk about uh, the main the main event for tomorrow. I feel like this fight for tomorrow is gonna be something similar to uh, a Rob Font Cheeto Vera. I'm not saying that Sanhagen fights like Rob Font, but I guess like the the output that he he's gonna be giving towards Cheeto, I feel like Sanhagen is gonna be throwing more punches than Cheeto, but Cheeto's been Cheeto's gonna be landing the more significant power shots do you feel like it's in a, it might have the same end result it might go you know possibly going towards decision and Cheeto and leaving San Antonio as a as the victor and for some reason this um San Antonio card on paper it doesn't look you know like eye popping but it kind of feels like what it might end up being like how the San, San Diego card happened last year you know where all these fights just you know everybody's just going full blast and Look what happened with the Neat Landward fight and David Onama. That was a banger of a fight. So uh, let me know what you think. And thanks, Mike, for everything.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this will be the same. Look, Holly Holm is a well-known commodity, but her fights are not very entertaining for the most part. Yana Santos is not really an exciting fighter herself. Neither have had a finish in a very, very long time. If that was not the – co, like, I understand why it's the co-main event because Holly Holm is just so well-known. I had somebody on the BTL comments that said, um, Holly Holm is the only fighter that my mom knows by name. That's why she's in the co-main event. And you can't argue that point. But I would rather see Alex Perezman and El Cop in the co-main event. That one has – much larger stakes. That is going to be a far more entertaining fight. Nate Landwehr, Austin Lingo could be fun. Andrew Lee, Macy Barber's interesting. Cheeto and Albert Duraev could be fun. And the rest of the fights are just kind of there. Um, there's a lot of flyweight fights on there, so that's good. So in the end, I think it will be a pretty decent watch. But I don't know if it'll will have the same vibes that we felt after UFC San Antonio. As far as the main event goes, yeah, I see a lot of people asking about whether or not Vera Sanhagen will be similar to Vera Font. I'm not really sure about that. I mean, there's a chance that if Vera wins this fights because he lands the bigger shots, but Sanhagen moves a lot better than Rob. He's got I'm not saying Rob's, like, bad. Rob's a very good fighter, uh, but he's more of a boxer. Sanhagen is more of a mixed martial artist when it comes to his striking. A lot of kicks, a lot of movements, a lot more movement than Rob has. So can Varick land the bigger shots throughout the rounds? Yeah, it's possible. Uh, but he's got to catch Corey first. And I'm sure Corey is well aware of the tools that Marlon has. I do think this fight's going to get extended. I don't think – I think it's going to go to the cards. I think it's very, very close. I think if you're betting on this fight, it's really tough to choose a side. You would probably have to bet on Vera to get the value because I think the line is pretty spot on. Uh, but I think the betting value for choosing a side is on Marlon Vera. But yeah, it's just going to be a fun 25-minute fight because I don't think this one goes to the cards. Both these guys are very durable. Vera's never been finished. Sanhagen's only been finished once, and it was because Aljamain Sterling jumped on his back and tapped him real fast. But I don't see either of these guys getting finished in this fight. So yeah, it's going to be real good. And then with the Colby stuff – do I think he talked himself out of a title fight? Um, no. But it does make Colby Bilal seem a lot more bearable now than it did before. I mean, I remember when Bilal called out Colby. I was like, oh, no, why are you doing this? fight's never going to happen. But it's got legs now. I, I do think there's an argument to be made that Colby kind of did Bilal a favor here with this whole thing. And... You know, if Mazadal does go out there and obliterate Gilbert Burns, maybe they'll pivot and do Leon versus Mazadal and then do Colby versus Bilal. There's heat on that. If that's what the UFC wants, I think the UFC would do that. If Gilbert Burns wins, then I think this is all moot and Colby's going to get the title shot anyways. But if Mazadal goes out there and just kills Gilbert Burns and has a moment and cuts a promo and everybody's talking about Mazadal. I think the UFC could pivot because I think now they're starting to see a little bit of value on a Colby Bilal fight. There's some heat there. It's unfortunate how the heat has, has come to be kind of on the back of John Anik. And I talked about that yesterday and I did get a lot of messages yesterday. Uh, I think I had one person who was kind of an asshole about it, but for the most part, everyone was really, really cool about it. And that's not why I said what I said, but, People were reaching out before, so I felt like I needed to say something about it. And the other question, are the the UFC going to take Annex back? Fuck no. Are you kidding me? No. They might say something, but what they're going to say is probably, if Dane is asked about it, listen, we had 735 maniacs on the roster. I can't control what all of them say. They're free to say whatever they want. And Damon made a point on BTL yesterday. The company didn't make a stance about Dana and the new year's Eve incident. You think they're going to make a, they're going to take a stand now on Colby as a character threatening John Anik, which is, let's be honest, it's an empty threat. He Still said it and he shouldn't have. And I don't defend Colby at all on that, uh, but they're not going to say shit about it. Maybe Dana will say it's unfortunate. We talked to Colby, something like that, but. I think as far as it went, they were probably like, "Dude, what are you doing?" But they, there's not going to be a statement about it. They're not going to punish Colby for it. No, absolutely not. I think we all know the answer to that question, which is unfortunate. Absolutely, hello.
5: Hi, heck of a morning. Um, so I've got two questions to ask. My first question is regarding the featherweight division. Um, what's uh, how do you see the, this division shifting? um as soon as we start getting fights for ila um brian ortega and you know some of the upcoming contenders of the future and my other question is um regarding the adesanya pehera fight how do you see this whole outcome playing out for both fighters if either one of them wins and who would they ideally fight next that's all i have thanks man have a good
3: morning Thanks, man. Uh, Featherweight's interesting. I definitely want to see Ilya back in there. Maybe they'll do the Ortega fight. That would, that would certainly make sense. We got... Um, obviously, Yair will be next for Volkanovsky. looks like they're looking at International Fight Week for that one. That one's not done yet. We got, obviously, the big one between Arnold Allen and Max Holloway. Arnold Allen wins that fight. He's probably next in line. So, yeah, and then things will get interesting. It's, uh, it's all on Volk, really, to see how this all plays out at the end of the day because if Volk decides – Volk beats Yair and then fights Arnold Allen, if Arnold beats Max Holloway and then decides he wants to go up to 55, who's going to argue with that? I don't. I just don't want to see it now. I want to see those two guys fight again. But if Volk gets a couple of title defenses and then decides to move up, I'm not going to have an issue with it. But them going right back to that fight, not really a fan of it. Let both those guys get a couple of defenses, and then we can revisit that if the interest is still there. But obviously featherweight is it's super fun. I think when we talk about deep and loaded divisions, I don't think featherweight gets enough credit, if we're being honest with some of the guys that they have in that division. Like Volk Yair is such a good fight. I can't wait to see that. We got Ilya coming up. Everyone seems to be forgetting about Bob Zaravloyev, is another big player in this division. We're not going to – probably won't see Calvin all this year, which is unfortunate. We haven't seen Giga Chikadze in a while. Dan Ige had a nice win. Etta is fighting Billy Q, so Billy Q can get a nice little boost this year. Leroy Murphy, if he could stay active, he's another guy. So the yusuf has got a little buzz right now. Nate Landwehr is fighting on Saturday. Jack Shore is now at one forty-five. Jonathan Pierce is fighting Bryce Mitchell. It's a good division. Chrome Gracie's coming back to fight Charles Jourdain. That came out of nowhere. Lucas Almeida's there. I mean, golly, forty-five is fun. Forty-five is is a fun-ass division. As far as Adesanya-Pereira goes, Pereira Pereira wins, he'll probably fight Whitaker. That would make a lot of sense. And if Adesanya wins, I don't know, maybe he fights DDP. I mean, if we're being honest, if Adesanya wins, they're probably just going to run back Pereira a third time. That would be my guess. Because there's money to be made there. But we'll see. We'll see how Adesanya performs. If Adesanya fights the same way he did in the first fight, he's going to lose. He's going to get finished again. Am I I, I will not say that. If he fights the same way he did from like the second half of round two until he got finished, then he's going to get finished again. But if he comes out pushes the pace is a lot more aggressive. If he fights the way he fought Paulo Costa or how he fought in the first 7 minutes of the Pereira fight, I think he's got a real good chance to win. He's the better fighter. Like he's the better MMA fighter. There's I mean there's no question he's the better MMA fighter. But you cannot let a guy like Pereira hang around cuz like we saw he just needs to hit you once to change the whole tide, but you can't have a kickboxing match with this guy. You just can't. You can't point fight Alex Pereira for 25 minutes. You're going to get hurt. You're going to pay for it. But when Adesanya was aggressive and he was pushing the action and he was throwing the hard shots, he was very effective. Almost got Pereira out of there early. And then he just stopped doing that. And I think that's going to be a big difference in this fight. If, if Adesanya comes out pissed off and aggressive, not like overly aggressive, where he's his defense is completely off the off the rails, but if he pushes a pace, he's got a real good chance to win. That's the best chance he has to win this fight. But if he lets Pereira hang around, that's bad news. That's that that's a, a serious risk. So I am interested in that fight more so on the on the Adesanya side. But I think if Adesanya wins and it's competitive, they're going to go again. I think. Jordan, hello. Mike, heck of a morning. What's up, buddy? I just wanted to get your take on that Dan Hardy interview that was posted to Ariel's uh, YouTube yesterday. I thought he had a lot of awesome takes, but I I worry for his wife's future in the UFC, him coming out and being so outspoken. If she wasn't going to get any favors before, she's certainly not now. Uh, I didn't see it. Uh, I saw some clips from it. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's going to affect her too much. Look, she looked great against Juliana Miller, but I, I don't think she's like going to be a title challenger or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, She's good. She's shown a lot of improvements, but I don't think she's anybody that's going to be contending for a belt or anything like that. So I don't know. I mean, look, these women's divisions are pretty pretty thin right now, so they could they could use all the help they can get. And, Dan, I mean, look, Dan Hardy's had a lot of things to say about the UFC over the past couple of years, and there he was in the corner and a part of the whole camp for Veronica, obviously, and they're married now, so eh, I don't think it'll affect her too much. Now, if she starts, like, if she goes on a run and she gets into the rankings and she gets some big wins and she's in title contention of the UFC get to like do her any favors. Maybe not, but at this point in her run three year layoff beating Juliana Miller, who is making her UFC debut. I don't think she has too much to worry about right now, but if we know anything, the UFC can be pretty petty. So I understand the question, but I think at least, for the foreseeable future. I don't think she has much to worry about. Terrence, hello. Hello. How are you doing? Happy Friday. You too. Um, So I was wondering,
6: um, in regards to Jose Young's um, Anything But MMA, if he was to invite you on that show, what do you think it would be for? And if you had your own YouTube channel, um, regardless of money, like what would you make it about? And then lastly... I saw that um, Wei Lee is fighting in July, so it had me thinking, like, what's going on with the 125 division? Like, of course, we don't have an opponent, who do you think it will be? and what other matchups do you think um, in contendership that there will be in one I said 125, but I'm at 115. I apologize um, within that weight division. Thank you. that's all.
3: She's fighting in July. Or is this something she said?
6: I saw somebody report It was I don't follow like a ton of like random MMA, but it's like somebody reported like who was like on a beat in like the um, Asian women MMA thing, and they okay. were saying that she has a uh, scheduled bout for July, but opponent is unknown. So I know you guys didn't report it, so I know it's not nothing official, but that's like the tentative timeline.
3: Interesting. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, in, uh, the question is: Are they going to do two pay-per-views in July? That's the question. That's the question I have. I mean, it's really two choices. She's either going to fight Amanda Mendel or she's going to fight Rose Namajunas. That's those are the two options. I would favor Rose, especially because it's a, like if they do two pay-per-views in July, like they did last year. I would guess that because what they're, what I think they're probably planning right now, and, and I don't know this for sure, you would think Joan Stipe, Colby, Leon, as of right now. And if you do that, that's plenty. And then they'll load it up with some other stuff, I'm sure. And if they do a second pay per view, they won't do Zhang versus Lemosh. They'll probably do Zhang versus Rose to try to help carry that second pay per view. So yeah, I mean, if she fights in July, great. I want to see Zhang Wei Lee fight as much as possible. I think she's uh, she's on one right now, and I think she, there's a she has the ability and the potential right now to be a champion for a long time. So her and Rose would be interesting. If she beats Rose, she. I think she beats almost everybody in that division. So she could be a champ for a while. If I am, I do have a YouTube channel. I haven't put anything on there in a while. Um, I don't know. A lot of people have been asking like AK and I to do like watch alongs for like WrestleMania and stuff. So I don't know. Maybe I would do like some pro wrestling stuff on there. Just to, like mix things up a little bit. Uh maybe do kind of what Ariel's doing and just interview other people from other sports and other ways of life. That'd be kind of cool. One thing that I've always wanted to do is, um, is like interview celebrities about MMA, just like random people, like action Bronson, like just random people and just call like, Oh, you like MMA too or something like that. I don't know. I think it would be pretty cool to do something like that. But I think if I was going to do something on my own, it would be probably outside of MMA, or just be like talking MMA with non-fighters and non-people in the space, because so I think that'd be interesting and fun. And if I was to go on Jose's show, it'd probably be like the Anik episode where we would talk about Boston sports for an hour and a half, because we're both diehards. We both grew up in it, grew up in it, and uh, we've both been a part of some major moments. So that would probably be what we would talk about. Maybe we do a little pro wrestling, but I think. I think it would be Boston sports. In fact, that Anik episode, the plan was, um, it was going to be all three of us doing it, but didn't work out.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
2: that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
7: Anthony, hello. Yeah, I just wanted to call in and say if is dealing with this... uh Hangover from last week's UFC. I mean, these weekends are are some of the hair of the dog that bitch you. They got PFL, you know, Bell Tours coming up as well. There's boxing going on. Uh, I, I kind of like these weekends, so just big up to that. And uh, I don't know, I forgot what. Oh yeah, uh, I just wanted a quick question, personal question about uh, becoming a journalist. I feel, I mean, I based on your picture, I feel like you came in from the announcer scene. I don't know how how'd you come in the being a journalist, journalist in the MMA space because I'm almost uh, finishing up school soon and I was just uh, wondering how to get into all that.
3: Thank you. Oh, boy. Um, so, all right, we'll, we'll start with next week. Next week's interesting. We got Game Bred Boxing, which I'm, I'm very curious about. Curious to see how it does. It does look like the ticket sales are going great. Uh, the promotion for it has been okay, but not fantastic. I mean, Mazadal going on Rogan is obviously a big deal, but I, don't, I haven't watched that, so I don't know how, how much they talked about the card on there. Um, I think they could probably be doing more to get that out there. The Bellator card, that main event is Garbo. Like, that is an awful main event. Marcelo Goleman and Daniel James – The good thing is the rest of the card is really good. It's like the complete opposite of UFC San Antonio where UFC San Antonio is this great main event and everything else like could be, we're hoping could be good. But I feel like, I feel like the Bellator card, the main event is, is not good and nobody cares, but the rest of the cards really good. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, We do a BKFC card tonight too, which those, those cards are just always fun to watch. For sure. How did I get into this space? It's kind of a long story. Uh, It started after I listened to – because if you've listened to the show long enough, you know I was a pro wrestling guy growing up. Uh, I was a big Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. I saw that Steve Austin had a podcast. I listened to it, and I thought to myself, I could do that. So me and my buddy uh, who lived in the area moved to Chicago, we did like our own sports podcast – about just shit that was just in all sports. And probably like 10 or 12 episodes in, I did an interview with Joe Proctor, who was on the Ultimate Fighters in the UFC for a hot minute from, from the Boston area. We did like a 30-minute interview, and then randomly on Twitter, somebody DM'd me and was like, I represent a bunch of the legends who compete, who, who competed at the early UFCs. The Emanuel Yarbros, the Cal Warshams, the Dan Severins guys, like that, and they were like, "Do you do you want to interview these these folks?" And I said, "Sure." So I started doing like deep dive interviews with them, um, and then there there was this event out in Syracuse, New York. Uh, I think it was called like the Legends of MMA Fan Expo, and me, my co-host of the podcast, and like a couple of my buddies, we all went out and enjoyed the. The festivities. I actually, actually, like helped out and MC'd it for a couple of days. It uh, was just this big expo, huge hall. Uh, a lot of the legends were there. Like D- Severn was there, Warsham, Pat Smith, Yarborough was there, Butterbean was there, Burt Watson was there, Brian Ebersol, And then there were some current fighters there too, like Claudia Gadelia, Felice Herrig was there. I know she's not current now, but she was then. Carlos Sparza. Ashley Evans Smith. And there were some others as well. And I just started, I had like a little recorder and I just did interviews with everybody. And it was some real, it was just fascinating to to, to talk to these people. And when we left there, when it, when it ended, my co-host and I went to lunch before I had to make the long drive back. And I told him right there and then I said, look, this is what we're doing. Like, this is the show. We're just going to interview fighters. That's, that's it. Uh, we're done with the other stuff. This is what we're going to do. And he was trepidatious. Didn't really think it was a good idea. And I said, look, I'm the one that's producing all of it and putting it all together. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. So if you want to join, Cool. Uh, If you don't like it and you want to do something else, cool. Like, no hard feelings. I'll help you do whatever. But I think we have something here. And he eventually agreed, and we started doing a show. And I was pumping stuff out like crazy. I was just doing interviews all the time. Um, And at that point, I had gotten a weird phone call. It was probably like two months before all this happened. And I was in Connecticut. And my older brother called me and said, what are your thoughts on being on the radio? Is that something you'd be interested in? And I was like, why would that happen? Because I didn't go to school for any of this. But at the time, I was DJing weddings and I was hosting karaoke shows. I was hosting trivia nights. So like me being on a microphone and being in front of people and talking to people Uh, was not new to me. It didn't make me nervous. I had been doing it for a long time. So basically what it was described to me as, you're just going to do the same thing, but you're just going to learn how to push a bunch of buttons. So getting into radio, and I got ended up getting the job. So I got into radio. I was on the number one station in the area. I hosted afternoons. Uh, But I really got into production doing all that. Uh, I really got hooked on it, like producing commercials and doing a whole bunch of production elements and all this stuff. And it was like a lesson that I learned along the way is that you can be great at one thing, but something my father always told me, he goes, it's better to be good at lots of things than to be great at just one thing. So I learned how to do everything. Uh, the production stuff is something I fell in love with. I love putting commercials together. I have a couple of uh, awards from the Mass Broadcasters Association from commercials that I had cut Uh different production things that I had done in the past and I love doing the production stuff. I love putting the audio podcast together. I love, you know, I I did two, two theme songs for the MMA hour, Ariel's on the nose, New York Rick's Rick's picks theme. I did that even before I really started carving my way into the space. And then as this journey continued on, I realized I needed to learn how to write because I did not know how to write. So I Did some stuff with my MMA news. And then I went and covered UFC 208 in Brooklyn. Uh, It was right before my birthday. That card was not a good one. That was the Holly Holm, Jermaine Durand random ass featherweight title while Chris Cyborg watched it and wasn't in the fight. Didn't really get that. That card was not great. Uh, But I ran into a guy named Mike Dice while I was out there. And Mike was the guy who ran fan-sided MMA at the time. And had heard of me and listened to my interviews and was like, we got to get you right. So I joined Fansided uh, and we had a fucking dream team over there, man. I mean, we had a unit. We had Dice. We had Jose. We had James Lynch. We had Kristen King. We had like Amy Kaplan was there. I think she's she's still there. Uh, And we had just like a murderer's row of talent over there. Uh, And I learned so much from everybody. And we were like, we were starting to make, make some waves. We were starting to, to get something cooking. Uh, And then Dice ended up leaving. He got a job with NBC Chicago. Jose ended up going to MMA fighting and Amy ended up taking over the site. And at that point it was, it was kind of in a weird position because I was getting, and I'm just going long winded here, but this is the question. It's free for all Friday. Uh, I was getting promoted at work. Our, our radio station got bought out by Town Square Media, and they wanted to focus a lot more on, like, the digital side of things. So they promoted me to, like, the managing editor of the entire cluster's website. And they gave me a, a really good, sizable raise, and I was still doing the on-air stuff. And I was like, well, I mean, this M.A. thing is fun, but it's a lot of work and I feel like I can grow with this company. So maybe I should just not do it anymore and just focus on this and focus on, you know, creating something to, you know, set the family up. And I remember I had a conversation with James Lynch about this and he told me, uh, you'd be an idiot if you left. So don't. And, He goes, even if you do like one interview a week, just don't stop. And I was like, eh, I don't know. And then I remember I got a phone call from Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall called me out of nowhere and was like, yeah, I heard you might be leaving MMA. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of thinking about it. And he kind of said the same thing Lynch did. He was like, don't, don't leave. He goes, you know, maybe you can't put as much time into it as as you used to, but, at least do something. Even if you do like one interview or one this, one that, just do it. So I, I ended up sticking with it and we wanted to move to a different area. I've told this story before. I wanted to, We wanted to move to Cape Cod. I got a job on the marketing side of, of the radio industry, which I, I hated it so much. But on the side, I was just doing more interviews and more interviews And then when I realized like this wasn't the place for us and the moving is not a possibility before I moved back, I asked my wife, I said, look, I want to give this MMA thing a shot. I was like, we're in a good position right now. We saved a bunch of money. Give me a year. And if I don't get a, if I don't either set us up while doing this on my own or get a full-time job in the space, I'll stop. I won't cover the sport anymore. And she goes, you have my blessing, go get it. And I think like three months later, I I got, I had a conversation with Brian Tucker from MMA fighting. Uh, They kind of kept me in the loop on things. There was some movement going on. Uh, Danny Segura went over to MMA junkie and they created a job like in December of 2019 multimedia producer. And I was a pest. I was a pest. Like I was just pumping out content. I was just, I mean, I had one day – there was one day when I was freelancing where I did 24 interviews in one day. 24. Uh, it was it was a crazy-ass day, but I got 24 interviews done in a day. Like, that's how much I wanted this. I was like, I got to go after this. And then eventually, I had an interview with with MMA Fighting, talked to Steve Morocco, and right before they offered me the job, I actually – Uh, a pretty big sponsor reached out to me and said, look, we want to sponsor all of your stuff. We have uh, like a company that sponsors fighters. We want you to do interviews for us. Here's what we're willing to pay. And it was pretty close to what I was making on the radio. So I was like, all right, well, either way, like we're good. So I already felt like I won the battle. And then, so I remember reaching out to Steven and I was like, look, I'm not trying to be a pest. Like, if I'm getting the job, like, can you just give me sort of a heads up that it's going to happen? And if I'm not, like, just tell me now. And I will, I was like, I have other opportunities that are coming. I was like, I just, I just need to let people know what the deal is. Um, and then Stephen broke some news and was like, oh, you didn't get the offer yet. And I was like, what? And here we go. So I mean, it was a journey. It took seven years. Oh no, not that. Long. It was like six, almost six years to get there. But I guess the best advice I can give in this very long winded answer, uh, if you want to do it, do it. It is a grind and a half. It's something you need to embrace. There's a lot of people that I've spoken to in this space that have been like, well, I've been doing this for three months. Like, how am I not hired by anybody? It doesn't work that way. This is a space that doesn't have a lot of opportunities. And there it's a sport that is still growing. I know it's on ESPN and it's got much more of an appeal than it did 10 years ago, but it is still a newer space and there aren't a ton of opportunities out there. So you just got to embrace it all. You just got to embrace it all and you got to bust your ass and you just got to keep going. So it's a journey. I talked for a long time, but that story could have been way longer if we're being honest but that's how i got into it and that's how we're here right now
8: james hello hey heck of a morning to you mike you too uh, before i get to my two questions i just want to say i think you found your podcast like i could hear you wex- poetically po- 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 about your life and if you ever want to do like a two-hour video and put it on the Podcast, with great podcast by the way, or on the YouTube channel, great YouTube channel by the way. I think I speak for all of those so that we could just listen to your story all day. But um, getting to my questions, I'll try to make as quick as possible. Uh, I think it was on the two eighty six uh, post fight show. I think it was Jed that brought it up about kind of trilogies that you very rare rarely get a trilogy of that all three are very competitive. And um, me being a fan of the sport for as long as I have, I immediately thought of the Josh uh, Thompson-Gilbert-Mirrandez trilogy, which I I love that trilogy. I always feel like that trilogy doesn't get enough love as it should because it didn't happen under the UFC banner. But uh, just kind of off the top of your head, is there any trilogies out there that all three were pretty competitive? And uh, Oh, crap, what was my last question? Um. Yeah, I forgot my last question, but anyway, I guess we'll leave it at that. Like always, Mike, man, thanks for what you do for us, and have a have a heck of a morning, have a heck of a weekend, and be good. Thanks. Hey, what was what was the last part of your first question? Um, just like, is there any trilogies off the top of your head that that all three fights were competitive? or are your favorite trilogy of all time? I guess either or.
3: Mm. I mean, Maynard Edgar's a good one. Um, I mean, Figgy Moreno is a good one, too. This is a good one. This is a really good one. Um, especially the way the second fight went. So that was, that was a good one. Um, I mean, Poirier e McGregor was massive. None of those fights were really all that competitive, but it was a good one. DC and Stepe was interesting, um, and it just took forever. So that was kind of a problem. BJ Penn, Matt Hughes. Um, I mean, there's some weird ones, too, like Tito and Ken Shamrock. We really didn't need to see a trilogy there. Uh Versus Griffin Tito Ortiz was an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, Poirier McGregor is probably like the most. It's probably like the biggest one in terms of like casual appeal. Yeah, there's not. I don't know. I liked Figgy Moreno. I know they they went to four, but I I liked that trilogy. I like that that series quite a bit. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop
4: G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work
2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, NA member FDSC.
3: Toe, hello. In the uh,
9: the Del Tito uh, trilogy. That's probably a good one to leave uh, out of that list. Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs>
9: <terrible. But> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to do that. Um, So, uh, I. Forgot yesterday, it's to say that I understand why you were mad about the Islam Makachev tweet on Tuesday. Because the problem with that tweet is that it is so out of character for Islam because he's all about, you know, he's all about the honor and being, you know, legacy, all this stuff. And then suddenly he's like, "Okay, I've had one title defense Then he wants to move up. We know why this is, we know We know who wrote the tweet. I'm sorry, I'm gonna spoil something here. That wasn't Islam, there's no way. Because Ali, he really needs to, I mean, if he wants to tweet for his fighters, go ahead. But man, you better fucking know your own fighters. There's no way that this was Islam. I just don't see it. It's just, oh, it's just Ali going, oh, I lost a champion. Well, maybe we should get that belt back with Islam so I can have that belt too. It is all a ploy from Ali because he, he's butthurt that Kamaru lost again. So I'm just saying this to... Here's your little rant, actually. I didn't have a rant yesterday because I've forgotten that I was so mad about this tweet as well. But I just realized right away, it's just Ali. He's just butthurt. He's just annoyed. And you know what? That made me happy. So that's a way to be happy about the Islam tweet, Mike. Just say, oh, it's just Ali being annoyed. Have
3: a happy Friday, Mike. Yeah, that um that tweet went over like like a fart in church. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. It was just so weird. Like, it made no sense. There's no interest in that fight. Like, zippo. zero, zero interest in that fight. I'm not saying there couldn't be down the line, but, I mean, it's going to be way down the line. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. That tweet lasted, like, eight minutes, and then it was just like, nobody gives a shit. I didn't even, like, I, I didn't care about that tweet so much, I didn't even ask Colby about it. When I talked to him. That's how much I did not care about that tweet. And I know Colby would have said something that would have got clipped off. And it would have been a big deal. But I didn't even ask him about it. Because it was such a stupid tweet. And it made no sense. Uh, so I'm with you. I was just. I, I rolled my eyes and I saw it. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Come on. You're in the cat. You're in the best division in the sport. You have fight. You have guys to fight. Lots of them. Nobody wants to see you fight. Leon Edwards right now. Nobody wants to see it. Nobody. You haven't even you haven't even defended your title against a lightweight yet. You haven't even fought anybody in your division yet, and we're always talking about moving up to one seventy. Come on now, come on. No, that was an awful tweet. Oh, another. I, I was thinking about the trilogy question. Um, I loved the um, Gilbert Melendez Josh Thompson trilogy was a good one too. I know Josh gets, has, has taken a bit of a beating on the show in the past, but man, that, those are three fucking great fights in strike force. Really good fights, all entertaining. they were all very close. Uh, they beat the shit out of each other in all three of those fights. It's a great trilogy. Liddell Couture is a good trilogy. Um, Fedor and O'Gara, because we have like the, the sandwiched in no contest. Rampage and Bandolay Silva is a good one. Uh, they're finishes in all three of those fights. So, yeah, there's there's some good trilogies. Like, some were in the UFC, some were out of them, some were kind of both. Uh, Silva Rampage ended in the UFC, but the first two were in Pride. But there's some good trilogies. I josh thompson Gilbert melendez is a great trilogy that is a that is a great trilogy tremendous tr- trilogy mikey i think we have you i think we fixed uh we got token so that this is a good sign
5: yeah now we got you i'm Welcome back. Back. Welcome back they let me in what a mistake anyways how are everyone it? um how are you mentioning trilogies and not mentioning stout spencer fisher
3: that was another one. I was trying. I was trying to. There was one. That I mean, obviously needed to be triggered in my brain. No, no. I'm up- just it. giving you
5: shit, man. Well, it's just. I mean, it's understandable. Uh-huh. But because that guy's question was actually really. I was really kind of focusing on. He meant competitive, because let's be honest. There's a lot of trilogies in MMA aren't competitive in the truest sense. You know, sometimes it involves one person getting finished one sidedly. Because I wanted to say Junior Dos Santos versus JDS, but each of those fights was a one sided ass kicking. I mean, yep. the third one might have been the most competitive primarily only because you know, it wasn't as bad as the second one, but you know what I mean? So it really is, it's actually a really tough, it's really, really tough because when you really try to extrapolate true meaning of what the, the question was, which was a great question, is like, what is a truly competitive trilogy, right? We have a couple of good, you know, one-and-ones, you know, like uh, like McGregor and Diaz. I mean, I know there was a Finishing the first Diaz McGregor fight, but that was like competitive for like around for like however long it lasted. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're talking like every fight legitimately felt even until a certain point, you know? But, anyways, um,
3: yeah, that's why I ta- that's why Thompson Melendez for me might be the best. So which one? And uh, Josh Thompson, Gilbert, oh, Melendez. yeah, no, yeah, because that's like those three, those three fights are all like super tight and really, funny. yeah.
5: Also, another one that's kind of it'll fall by the wayside because the third fight wasn't like aesthetically the best out of the two fights. But I, ha- I have to mention Benson Henderson and Cowboy Cerrone. Uh Not the greatest trilogy in terms of like overall aspect, but you know, they fought three times and they're for for nothing. Their first fight was incredible. If any of you are newer fans and you have fight pass and they have WEC, please go watch the first Cowboy Cerrone Benson Henderson fight. It's, it's incredible. Um, second one was kind of a wash but anyways um i just wanted to get this off my chest i know it's been a week since but like can we can mma twitter please use words carefully fraud check gets thrown around a lot lately and i feel like the spirit of it is not being used correctly because fraud check means someone was exalted as something or propped up as something and they never meet the expectation or they just fall short of it you know People were saying, oh, you know, like Juliana Pena was fraud checked by Amanda Nunez. I'm like, winning the title in the manner she did, no matter how much you dislike it, doesn't make her a fraud. She it's like saying, just because you don't just because you think it's a fluke or something, doesn't actually mean it is. Look, the when Matt Serra beat GSP, just because he got blitzed in the in the rematch didn't doesn't take away from the first fight. Doesn't validate the first fight unless, you know, they got robbed or slipped on a banana peel. You know what I mean? Like that, that's not a true fraud check. You know, fights are fights, and sometimes they don't have to necessarily bleed into each other. I get it. It's it's human nature. It's like, oh hey, look, you you know, Julian Pena got destroyed in the second match. It's like, okay, but that doesn't mean the first match didn't happen. You know? Like it it's just so uh it's so fickle and frustrates me because there was talks about like, oh. Leon Edwards is going to get fraud-checked by, you know, Kamaru Usman. And it's and this was before the result of the fight. I'm sitting there going, like, even if Kamaru Usman took the belt back in any fashion, how does that make the head kick disappear? How does that—it makes no sense, because you indirectly invalidate Kamaru Usman, you know? And then look at this fight. They're, like, in, now they're trying to fraud-check, you know— I don't know trying to fraud-check Leon, but, like, trying to get Harp on— Good cheating. Listen, I'm, I've am i been an Usman guy for the last 10 years. I've watched him since he was in RFA. I was rooting for him, but Leon's endeared himself to me. And you know what, man? He earned that. Give him his respect that he won that five fair square. Yeah, he cheated. I get it. It happens. But people pretending that he didn't get penalized for it because he, you know, he got a point taken away. Because when you look at the scorecards, even with the point taking, he won four rounds. Anyways, that'll be all. Glad to be back. Be kind to another. Talk to you guys later.
3: Thanks, man. Yeah, the the fraud check for the Leon kick was always weird to me. He kicked him in the fucking face. Like, how how is that a fluke? He kicked him in the face and deaded him. There's no fluke there. He kicked him in the face. Like, if Usman tripped and fell into Leon's knee, that's different. But Leon set that kick up, something they've been working on for a long time. There's no fluke. He kicked him in the fucking face and knocked him out. That's not a fluke. That's not a fluke. Let's take a look at the comments real quick. Ha! Here to watch highlights. Why you always hate on Islam but ride Colby. Don't make sense. Islam doesn't deserve to go up. Are you trying to make the narrative people are pumped about Colby weighing in? they were pumped about Colby Wang and not pumped, but they were actually interested in it. Uh, when the only controversy is people thinking he shouldn't be anywhere near a title. Oh man. How can I hate on Islam Makachev when I have him as my number one pound for pound fighter? How, how is that? Hate? How, how is me saying that nobody wants to see him fight for the welterweight title right now, hating on him when everybody called me crazy for keeping Islam at number one Pound for pound. How does that make any sense? How does that comment make any sense? How does that make any sense? Seriously. It doesn't. It makes no sense. I have Islam number one pound for pound. Over John Jones and Volkanovsky. When no one else wanted to do it. I did it and I still have him at number one pound for pound. All I'm saying is. You have a million guys to fight at 155. Fight those guys. Get a few wins. And then if you want to go up to 170, cool. Hating on Makachev. Get the fuck out of here. I'm hating on the guy I think is the best fighter in the world. Go fight Benny Darius. Go fight guys in your division. Win three or four fights. If Leon wins three or four more fights... Go do it. I got no issue with that. But to do it now before you fought anybody in your division to defend your title against, I got no issue with I I have an issue with that. And you could tell that a lot of people had an issue with it because no one's talking about it. No one's talking about it. When have I said that Colby deserves this, sh- this fight? When have I said that merit favors Colby here? All I said was for the past, past few weeks... Don't be surprised if Colby's in play. I know how the UFC works. This is what it is. This is what they do. It's not a meritocracy in the UFC. It isn't. That's why Ma- like, that's why everyone thinks Muhammad all should be getting a title shot if he beats Gilbert Burns. Does his merit deserve it? No. Of course it doesn't. If this is meritocracy, Muhammad is getting the title fight, and he should get it. He's just not going to. It's not fair, but that's just the way it is. I ain't hating on Islam because I thought the tweet was stupid and it made no sense and nobody cares. Nobody wants to see that fight. Find me one person that wants to see that fight right now. You're going to have a hard time finding it. That's all I'm saying. Not hating on Islam. He's my number one fighter in the fucking world. CV, hello. Oh, Mike, heck of a Friday. Um,
0: another quick, yeah, another quick question. Um, on the top of your head, uh, who's in your Mount Rushmore? Of um, doesn't have to be all time, or just could it just be active fighters right now. Um, personally, I have Yeri, uh, Chandler, Gaichi, and Charles in my top four, and that's why lightweights the best division. Thanks.
3: Mount Rushmore, right now. Islam Volk. Um, let me pull up my pound for pound rankings, because I'll just go. I'll, I'll just go by that to make life easier. But I'm hating on Islam for putting him up there. Uh, let's see. So current, I have my top four pound for pounds is Makachev, Volkanovski, and Gano and Jones. So I'll put Islam and Volk up there for sure. Um, I like the Erie pick. I do like the Erie pick a lot. Sure, and I'll throw homicide in there too. Why not? Why
8: not? James, hello. Hey, Mike, sorry to call back in. I just remembered my second question. I know we usually talk MMA in this space, but out of all combat sports, there's two great main events this weekend. Obviously, the UFC with San Hagen and uh, Marlon Vera, but uh, I don't know how much into boxing you are, but David Benavidez. is. And a Caleb plant is a terrific boxing main event. I don't know if you're into boxing, but if you are, I would just love to hear your take on that fight. And, um, and yeah, the Islam stuff, I don't understand why you're getting hate for it. But don't we all remember a time where Islam and um, Dariush were supposed to fight because uh, Dana White just loved that fight. But now all of a sudden, Dariush is just getting kicked to the wayside and has to fight all This uh, is hypocrisy is everywhere in this sport, but – like always, Mike. Have a heck of a weekend. Thank you, and thank you for uh, getting me back in the space.
3: Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. I, I was talking um, to Brian Campbell about this, about this fight. He asked me, he asked me point blank. Uh, I'll pull it up. Let's see what the question. I talked to BC a lot. He's he's. He's just a great dude, one of my favorite people in the, in, in the space. Uh, he asked me if I thought Benavidez Plant has or will translate to MMA fans because of the bad blood and style contrasts. Um, I can never tell Tank Fury Canelo seemed to cross over to MMA fans, sometimes Spence, but that seems about it. And I kind of agreed with him on that. Um, it's a great fight. If you're a boxing fan, you're all over this fight. You're all over it. If you're like a a casual MMA fan, this fight's probably not on your... If if you're an MMA fan and you casually watch boxing for the bigger names, you're probably not all that interested in this fight. Um, But it's a good one. There's some heat here. It's a good matchup. I think Benavides is probably going to win. But the build to this is going to be fun. And then I, I told BC that this has... It's a little different... Because this one, there's a lot more heat on this fight than the fight I'm going to bring up. But this has, if we're going to make a comparison to MMA, this has Figgy Moreno vibes to it. Where, like, hardcore MMA fans are all in on it. Can't wait to see it. Great matchup. Two exciting fighters. Yeah, there's heat. Not as much as as Benavita's plant. But... It's it's almost like that's like the best comparison. Two guys top of their game, different styles, different ways they got to the dance. Um, hardcore fans love it. Casual audience doesn't really care, um, but the hardcore fans are telling them they should care. It's kind of like the MMA comparison to this fight. This is like Figgy Moreno, which is awesome. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I think Benavidez will win. Uh, It's probably going to go to the cards. Let me see what the betting lines are. I would say Benavidez is probably like a minus 225 or something. Minus 300 for Benavidez. Yeah, that's kind of how I see this fight going. Benavidez will win a decision. It'll be fun. and There you go. There you are. All right. Uh, We're done. The UFC San Antonio weigh-ins are going on as we speak. So you can go to mafighting.com for all your results. You can watch the weigh-ins at the site. Uh, the main eventers have already made weight. They were the first two on the scale. So that's a good thing. That card is – that fight's absolutely rules. I'm very excited about that fight. Can't wait to see it. Uh, we do a BKFC tonight. Uh, Britton Hart, Jenny Savage 2 going down for the strawweight title. So that should be fun. I don't know if anybody saw Jenny Savage on the scale, but she looks like she was chiseled out of granite. She's like jacked and ripped craziness. So that would be a fun card. And, and then we get ready for next week where it's Bellator. It's game bread boxing. Anthony Joshua's back, I believe. So we won't be without combat sports. We'll be without the UFC next week, but well, looks like we got one more, uh, just simply rob try to get him in real quick before we wrap things up what's up rob
7: hey mike gm my brother how you doing bro good how are you man everything's good man i just wanted to know if there's still time to talk about some of the upcoming fights i just wanted your insight on something with the whole colby situation or is it too late to ask a question
3: no you're here man ask question ask away
7: no, I appreciate it, Mike. I just wanted your insight as a expertise because I, I watched a video that you did on, on YouTube and in the interview with Colby Covington, and I just really wonder, like, do you really think that it's it's worth, it's merited that Colby Covington, who in the past, I don't know, like five years hasn't fought any top 10 or top 15 contenders. I mean, his loss, his losses, he lost twice against Kamara Usman. Uh, before that, when did he fight? Dos Anjos? I mean, who hasn't beat Dos Anjos? Like, I really think that what needs to happen is Colby – and Bilal should do an eliminator fight for a number one contender, I think Leon should sit on the side and see what happens between uh, Gilbert Burns and Masvidal. Obviously, we all know that if Masvidal wins, that's a no-brainer to put him up against Leon. Uh, if Gilbert wins, I don't know, man. What, what do you think about What do you think, Mike, in your opinion? What do you think needs to happen all, with all this at the Welter Week?
3: So, I mean, I've, I've been pretty consistent and clear uh, on all of this that if Masvidal goes out and obliterates Gilbert burns that is the fight to make that is the fight to make and again if we're talking merit and and trust me when i say this like everybody is saying mazadal should get it but they're bringing up colby not getting it because of the merit conversation Col- i mean mazadal's lost 3 in a row heading into this fight mazadal be on, will will be on a one fight win streak just like colby and colby beat mazadal so At the end of the day, this is why I've been saying, this is why I said, if Leon wins and Colby and and Masvidal loses to Burns, don't be surprised if Colby gets the shot. Don't be surprised. This is how the UFC does it. It's about box office, filling arenas, selling pay-per-views isn't a massive deal for the UFC anymore. It matters, but not as much as it used to. Because they have this massive deal with ESPN. So, like, pay per view buys are cherry on top of the Sunday, which is why we don't get numbers domestically. We don't get them because it doesn't really matter. They're getting X amount of dollars to put on these events on their platform, anyways. Pay per view buys are just cherry. And I don't know how that works, but I know it's not like a huge part of it like it once was when it was on just regular pay per view. And what I'm saying, like, Bilal, from a merit perspective, deserves it. 100%. But the UFC is not based on merit. They're not. We've seen fighters get title shots off of losses. We saw Dan Henderson get a title shot against Michael Bisping after Bisping won the belt. Like, this isn't new. None of this is new. What Colby has done is he's actually he's actually made a fight with him and Bilal seem like much more interesting because I was not into that fight at all. Um, not that I wasn't into it. I just didn't think it would be all that compelling. And I didn't think this is a fight that like Colby would be up for. I didn't think it had a lot of sizzle to it because Colby is, you can hate him, love him. Doesn't matter. What Colby does well is he's he he he's a prize fighter. The definition of prize fighting is you take the lowest risk with the highest reward. That's what it's all about. The fight I would have made, and I've been saying it for months, would have been was him and Hamzat. Like that's the fight I want to see. I want to see him and Shmayaev. I think that's an interesting fight. I think that's an interesting fight. Especially if it gets out of like the first seven minutes. Like, that's the one I want to see him and H- Hamza. But it doesn't seem like the UFC wants to give Hamza another chance at 170, even though Hamza said, I'll fight him at 170. But what Colby has done, especially with this John Anik thing, is and Bilal has done a tremendous job. Bilal Muhammad is as over and as interesting as he has ever been in his career because of this whole thing. Bilal has done it perfectly. Soon as Colby said that, he's done the media rounds, defended John Anik, stays in to slap Colby in the face. And it's become interesting because everybody loves John Anik. Everybody loves him. It's brilliant. And to me, I actually think Colby did him a favor. Colby did Bilal a favor. Now, it all comes down how big of a favor did he do for Bal Mohammed? That all comes down to April 8th. Because I do believe, because of how this has all played out, that if Mazedal wins and he knocks out Gilbert Burns at UFC 287, Dana White is going to sit up at that press conference and he is going to pivot. And he should. It should be Leon Mazadal, and you do Colby and Burn Colby and Bilal right underneath it. You got two big fights at 170, two winners fight. Can you imagine if Mazdal wins the belt and Colby beats Bilal and they throw those two dudes in there again with all that heat for the belt and the winner could fight Connor? I mean, look at – it's so crazy. It's so crazy. And Bilal, they want to throw in there with (laughs) Shafkot. which is absolutely insane. Bilal's out there just winning fights. They give him a step back against Sean Brady. You just annihilate Sean Brady. And they're like, you know what, Bilal? We're gonna give you Shafkat Rachmanov next. Even though most people feel like you should you should be fighting for the title right now. Bilal has gotten over big with this. Like it's it's been a bummer for Bilal, but Bilal has gotten more support over the last 72 hours than he has ever gotten in his career because of all this. And I think it's because Colby it's because of Colby. I don't think he did on purpose. He certainly didn't do it on purpose, but Colby has gotten Bilal Muhammad over with some of the things he said, especially the John line. Incredible. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Bilal is, Bilal needs to keep this going. He needs to keep this going. And apparently they're going to meet. Bilal and Ali are going to meet with Dana on Monday. I don't think it's gonna end with Bilal getting a title shot. But Dana, like Dana is probably well aware of all of this. And my guess is. And here's the thing about the whole Colby thing. I I was just I was stunned by it. Like not stunned. But I was like, I the thing I was most surprised about was just the timing of it. It was just the timing of it. Like, if Gilbert Burns beats Mazadal and Dana goes up April 9th after 287 and says, Colby's next, will there be some backlash? Sure. Will there be as much as we have right now? Absolutely not. It was just the devaluing that fight. Like, Dana just saying Colby's next before this fight happens was just like a what? So this fight that we've been building up and getting excited for because of the potential of Mazdal and Burns and 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 Mazdal potentially fighting Leon, three piece of the soda, trying to put a, a close on that rivalry that's been going on for almost four years now to just slam the door on it. Not like the, like what's the point of the fight? What's the point of those two guys fighting right now? What does Gilbert Burns gain from beating Jorge Mazdal? If there's nothing on the line, And what does Mazdal gain by beating Gilbert Burns right now? If He can't even fight for the belts. It's just, I don't know. The timing of it is what what got me. If they waited three weeks to see the result of that fight and then Dana made his decision, I don't think there's any backlash. There's some. Bilal fans are pissed. But at least it's a little different. Even Bilal understood it. Look, if Mazdal wins, he gets the title fight, I get it. Works for me. I understand there's a story there. But just to be like, nah, that fight doesn't matter anymore. Colby's getting it, which is kind of weird. But again, it's a lesson I learned many years ago from Damon Martin. Strike the word deserves from your vocabulary because it doesn't matter in the UFC. It doesn't. And we've all learned this. All right, now we're going to go. Thank you all very much. Uh, Preview show, 3 p.m. Eastern. Get you ready for UFC San Antonio. I believe it's myself, uh, AK, and Jose Youngs. So we'll have a busy weekend of UFC San Antonio coverage for all y'all. So thank you all very much. Have a great rest of your Friday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody.